the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And hour number two is underway at 10 minutes past 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the ninth morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks for being with us. Uh, I want to welcome to the program without any hesitation because we have a lot of ground to cover in the short period of time we have together. Once a week, we talk to Dr. Everett Piper, who is the president, outgoing president, however, of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He is a pundit, a commentator, and the best-selling author of Not a Day, Ta- uh, Not a Daycare, the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. Dr. Piper, always a pleasure to talk to you. Good, sir. How are you this morning? Good morning, Bob. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Now, you're on location today, as I understand it, right? You're up in the great state of Idaho. Yes, I'm speaking. uh, I'm the commencement speaker at New St. Andrews College, which is in Moscow, Idaho. I'll be giving their commencement address this evening and then hopping a plane to fly back to Oklahoma to give my final commencement address at Oklahoma Wesleyan University this Saturday. Wow. Uh, two things. Number one, I did not know there was a Moscow in the United States, <laughs> Idaho or anywhere else. That's kind of interesting. And number two, what kind of a message? If you can give us a little sneak peek of, uh, of the address, what are we, what are we telling the uh, graduate, graduates heading out into the, uh, into the real world? Well, I'm going to cover four things, uh, four things that I've covered repeatedly over the course of my uh, career at Oklahoma Wesleyan, the primacy of Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth and the practice of wisdom as the four pillars, the four cornerstones of you, if you will, of a free society and a free people. Without those uh, fence posts, without those corner posts, you do not have freedom. Back to Chesterton's point, if you want freedom, build a fence. And you better, better build the fence with God's big laws rather than man's little laws, because when you get rid of the big laws, those four big pillars, if you will, you don't get liberty, you get fascism. You get thousands and thousands of little laws that rush in to fill the vacuum. So I'll be challenging these kids with freedom and liberty 
and challenging them to recognize that you don't have it if you step away from the primacy of Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth, and the practice of wisdom. I think this university has chosen well, uh, their commencement speaker. It sounds like it's going to be a great address. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us this morning before you get into all of that. So, uh, Duck Piper, three things that I want to talk to you about that you and I have both uh, already kind of uh, discussed. And I want to start since I ended my last segment uh, with the terrible, tragic shooting in Colorado. Um, there was a walkout uh, of, the, of a vigil yesterday. There was supposed to be a vigil. This thing was organized, apparently, by two uh, gun control organizations. They said they wanted to hold a vigil for the one fate, uh, fatality, the one student who was shot in, uh, and killed. There were nine total shot and killed in that terrible situation at that STEM school. One fatality, and that individual is being held as a hero because he charged that shooter immediately, trying to disarm him and was killed in the process. But rather than a vigil, it turned into two politicians politicians, including one Democrat candidate for president, using the opportunity to uh, rally for gun control and to turn it into a political situation. Students walked out. They were so upset by it, they eventually came back in uh, to the building and back into the gym where they took the microphone over and used the opportunity to condemn those who were using uh, the moment to... uh, uh, to play politics with their grief. Uh, there's a lot of layers to this terrible story, obviously. Uh, yet another school shooting, another mass shooting, and, uh, you know, more politics as well. What is your take on it? Well, I've said before, I wrote an article uh, for the Washington Times uh, oh, a year or so ago with regard to <laughs> gun violence. And I said, you take away the gun, they'll use a sword. You take away the sword, they will use a club. You take away the club and they will use a rock. You cannot solve the problem of human evil by taking away the instrument that a human being will use to perpetuate that evil. The evil rests in the human heart, not in the instrument that's being used. You cannot solve this problem by focusing on the gun. You have to focus on ideas. It's the ideas that are bearing negative consequences in our culture. And you can take away all the guns you want. They'll use a knife, they'll use a sword, they'll use a rock, they'll use a club, they will use anything. We will use anything. The human being has proven throughout the course of human history that we are prone to sin, prone to evil, prone to violence. We are broken. In fact, G.K. Chesterton said the most proven aspect, the most proven point of all of Christian theology is that we are broken, evil, sinful human beings. Turn on the nightly news, listen to the radio, read the newspaper, there's the proof. Uh, Bob, one of the most controversial things I've ever written or said, which has resulted in me being blackballed uh, from speaking engagements and whatnot, is I said that um, a culture without the moral conviction to judge minor sins, such as sex, is a culture without the moral confidence to judge major sins, such as terror and violence. The man who shrugs at what's done in the bedroom will be the first to show indifference to the butchery done in the public square or the public school. A heart of stone doesn't miraculously find Jesus once it leaves the brothel. It just moves on to more glorious conquests, such as hijackings and bombings and now school shootings. Biblically, let's go to the story of David. David did not leave Bathsheba's bed to go write a psalm. He left her to go murder Uriah. That is the story of the day. If we have come to the point in culture where we want to have a conversation about sexual sins and inclinations and define people as a minority class because their proclivity toward a given sexual act, if that's who they are, if that's their identity, and we're going to 
codify that into law, then we've come to the point in culture where people will say, well, what's wrong with who am I to judge people for committing other sins, such as the sins of Pol Pot, the sins of Mao, the sins of Stalin, the sins that are taking place in Venezuela right now. The reason we can't judge socialism as being evil is because we can't judge sexual infidelity as being sinful. Wow. Uh, very, very powerfully stated by Dr. Everett Piper, who joins us. He is the outgoing president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University and the author of Not a Daycare. Um, Dr. Piper, um, having said all of that, um, can you speak to the demonization of those who point out the things that you do? You said you were blackballed pointing out these things, and you were, uh, and, and we are constantly seeing now, this is more specific to the guns. Uh, we're seeing gun rights, or excuse me, gun rights advocates, NRA spokespersons like Dana Lash and others who are being essentially. I, I remember the CNN town hall that was held after the Parkland shooting last year, and Marco Rubio had to stand there and essentially be called the equivalent of the school shooter because he supports the Second Amendment. Um, they are they are essentially laying all of the crimes of people, uh, the sins of people who are committing their sins with guns, at the feet of those who support the right to defend oneself um how do we how do we combat that when all we all we are doing is trying to point out very simple truths as you just did and yet we are the ones who are demonized i think we have to get a spine we have to have courage we have to be careful how we communicate and we have to be clear and when somebody attacks us uh we need to be ready to defend our worldview defend our ideas defend the very premise that brings us to the public debate in the first place. For example, I have said that the broken human heart that shows indifference towards sexual sin is the same human heart that will show indifference toward other sins. And then all hell breaks loose in the LGBT community. Are you equating homosexuals, gays and lesbians with people who are terrorists? I'm not equating anybody other than suggesting this. If you're indifferent toward one given sin, then you will shrug at other sins because you've lost the moral barometer, the measuring rod outside of those things being measured, C.S. Lewis, and therefore you can do no measuring. How do I know this? Watch the news. Look at the hate and the vitriol toward Christians. This kid that shot these kids and um, these other kids in Colorado explicitly hated Christians and hated Christianity. Look at Brian Sims, the state representative in Pennsylvania. He's hateful and hatred, excuse me, hateful and vitriolic toward Christians. Jesus told us that when you have hate in your heart, you are guilty of the same sin as murder toward the individual. When these people express this hatred toward Christianity, are we surprised that they then go out and shrug at violence toward Christians. There's a parallel here, and we need to point it out. We need to be prepared to defend it. Brilliantly stated, as always, Dr. Everett Piper is our guest. Very, very well done. Doctor, I hate to pivot to something, but we do have three uh, stories that we wanted to cover today, so I want to move. I mentioned that one of the uh, Colorado politicians who turned that vigil into a uh, gun and anti-gun rally, uh, Mr. Bennett, uh, let's let's use that to uh, segue into the cesspool. Bob, I've lost you. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Can you hear me, Dr. Piper? 
you broke off just in the last half of that sentence. Go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. Um, let's talk about the cesspool of candidates. Um, uh, you know, Joe Biden is is of course the new front runner for the Democrat Party. What do you see? Do you see any commonality among this twenty two or twenty three person cesspool of candidates who are trying to run uh, on uh, <laughs> on a platform of socialism and anti gun rights and uh, and uh, a political correctness for all, social justice for all? Do you see any commonality there? Dr. Piper, as to those who are trying to take down President Trump? <laughs> well, I do. And, and you know, and we've talked about it before, I, my, one of my, my article in the Washington Times, I announced that I'm going to run for president. Uh, I'm going to run under the banner of the Democratic Party. Because if the Democratic Party can start making up definitions for everything, from marriage to morality, um, and they can claim, Joe Biden can claim that he's going to be the candidate that's going to make America moral again, isn't this the same party that stands for the butchery of children? Isn't this the same standard uh, party that has redefined marriage? Isn't this the same uh, a party that shrugs at the evil and the violence of Venezuela? Isn't this the same party that has a difficult time telling us that the history of socialism and Marxism and its 70 million dead in the wake of that particular economic and social agenda is something that we need to discuss and have a conversation about? Isn't this the same party? of ongoing sexual nihilism rather than sexual responsibility. Isn't this the same party that now dumbs down the definition of the human being to nothing but the sum total of their inclinations and therefore eliminates women from the sports field, the locker room, the bathroom, the shower, and Title IX has become irrelevant underneath this particular leadership and this particular party? I... Is there something common among these candidates? Yes, they're all worshiping the God they see in the mirror themselves, as opposed to an objective God that we find in Scripture that actually serves as that measuring rod to tell us what's moral and right and good and just and true. This is a common theme among the Democrats right now. We are the ones you've been waiting for. We are the change we seek, you seek. Barack Obama, 2016. That is the nature of this party today. It's a self-aggrandizing, self-complementary, self-refuting party of a bunch of hypocrites who are claiming to be as God. You describe in your Washington Times piece uh, the Orwellian nature of some of the uh, the language, essentially, that are coming from these candidates almost uh, as, as a group. Like I said, there's a lot of commonality here, including doublespeak. We can't tolerate your intolerance, you write. We are sure nothing is sure. We know nothing can be known. We are absolutely confident that there are no absolutes. And on down the line, including we are pro-science. And so what if we denied the science of biology, physiology, and genetics? All morality is relative, but we will make America moral again. It really is Orwellian, Dr. Piper. That's very well said. I need to use this as a quick time out here. We're going to pivot to our third uh, topic of conversation, the reprehensible actions of a California, or excuse me, a Pennsylvania state legislator uh, who has decided that uh, harassing uh, old ladies praying rosaries and uh, young teenagers praying for the souls of dead babies um, is uh, is is uh, is an appropriate action for an elected official. We'll talk about that as we continue with Dr. Everett Piper after this. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. Four one nine four. All right, it's 1026. If I had more time, I would replay for you some of the ridiculous commentary from uh, 
Pennsylvania legislator Brian Sims, who decided to go outside of Planned Parenthood clinics and harass those who are praying for the lives of dead babies and for the hearts of moms to perhaps be softened before making those uh, those terrible decisions. Dr. Everett Piper has some thoughts on this. Brian Sims is, uh, is being, uh, a lot of people are calling for his resignation from office now, but he is defiant uh, in his stance here. Dr. Piper, what say you? Well, you've already covered some of his quotes, but I'll, I'll be very brief. Uh, Brian Sims is a Democrat. He's been elected to the state as a state representative for his district in Pennsylvania. Uh, if you go to his um, site, he proudly boasts of being a transgender LGBTQ activist. He's a big guy. He's an intimidating guy. Um, this is not somebody that the average woman or the average teenager is probably going to want to spar with. He chose to go outside a Planned Parenthood clinic where there was a Catholic woman praying. That's all she was doing. No placards, nothing. She was praying the rosary. And there were a couple students, three of them girls, one boy. He confronted them, harassed them, harangued them. He demanded that people walking by on the sidewalk tell him the names and the addresses of these girls. Why? What did he want to do with their names and their addresses of these teenage girls who were praying? Then he confronted the, the teenage boy. He asked the boy why he was, he was there. The boy started to respond and give him a defense of being pro-life and being there to pray. And then Brian Sims says, be quiet. I don't care. I really don't want to hear your answer. And then he turns around and walks away. This is the summary of this man who fancies himself as being a proponent of love and tolerance and inclusion. But yet he shows his hate his vitriol, and the fact that he wants to exclude anybody who disagrees with his religion, his atheism, his agnosticism, his worship of self, his narcissism. If you disagree with his religion, be quiet. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And then he tries to dox and out these teenage girls so that they can be harassed and hated and maligned in the same fashion uh, by thousands of others that uh, want to do the exact same thing he just did. This is the duplicity and the hypocrisy of the left, of the LGBTQ movement. They are not inclusive. They are not tolerant. They are exclusive, and they are intolerant. They are not loving. They hate those that they find hateful, and they will silence anyone that they disagree with. You just stole my summary. I was just about to use that word hate. This is what they profess to, to, to oppose. All of those who hate. They, they, that's why, as you pointed out, if you look at his Twitter page, uh, it's first and foremost, he identifies himself as an LGBTQ activist, anti-hate, anti-hate, anti-hate. And I don't know if I have ever heard anybody express this much hate, especially for innocent people standing there praying, doing nothing to accost other individuals. I haven't seen as much hate from anybody as I saw from Brian Sims, uh, in those videos that he, by the way, wanted you to see. He videotaped himself doing these things so that he could share it and make a name for himself uh, in the Twitter sphere so that he can score more woke points with his uh, leftist uh, fellow fellow leftist uh, ideologues. It's really a shameful thing. Uh, great analysis, Dr. Piper. I'll uh, remind everybody once again uh, to uh, read your work in the Washington Times and also to make sure that they read your book. It is simply indispensable reading uh, for everyone. It's called uh, his bestseller is called Not a Day care of the devastating consequences of abandoning truth the author's dr everett piper doctor thank you have a wonderful commencement address today up there in idaho and we'll talk to you again very soon blessings bob
Thank you so much. 10.30 now, time for news. On the other side of the news, just so you know, I've been telling you about this for two days now, mistakenly yesterday, but today it's for real. Lieutenant Colonel David Bors is going to be joining us. He will be the next national security expert analyst to brief uh, the attendees at the Act for America Cleveland chapter meeting on Monday. He will give us a sneak preview of that coming up next here on AM 1420. The as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. This show has flown. You agree? I don't know why. It is just flying by. Um, Wow, thank you to Dr. Everett Piper. Great, great stuff from uh, Dr. Piper. Again, you really need to read that book. I think it's mandatory, to be quite honest with you, if you want to understand today's culture and what we are continuing to combat. I want to pivot now and talk about national security. There is another national security briefing being hosted by our friends at Act for America, the Cleveland chapter. It is coming up on uh, Monday. And the guest this time around uh, is uh, a man with extensive credentials, Lieutenant Colonel David Bors, uh, retired Army, uh, will be there on Monday, May 13th, this coming Monday, 7 p.m. And uh, David uh, brings with him all kinds of information he's going to share with you. He is uh, affiliated with the Clarion Intelligence Network. You know we talk to Ryan Morrow on a regular basis about uh, some of these things. He's an adjunct instructor, uh, adjunct instructor as well. Well, with the Center for Security Policy, he's been in public service for over 45 years, served as chief of police for Woodstock, Georgia, senior officer with the Cherokee County Sheriff's Office, and again, 23 years in the Army, retiring at the rank of lieutenant colonel. He joins us now. He's also, by the by, co-founder of Sharia Crime Stoppers. That's huge. Comprehensive training program designed for attendees to know the jihadist enemy. That's what we do on this program all the time, trying to make sure that you know who the enemies are and what they are up to as they have declared war on America and to understand various actions that local law enforcement can take to protect citizens from the growing threat of jihad. Lieutenant Colonel David Boris, thank you for joining us on AM 1420. The answer. Good to talk to you, sir. How are you? Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm looking forward to joining your audience live this coming Monday and uh, making the trip up to Cleveland. This is really quite an honor for me. So uh, uh, this it's going to be a great day, and uh, hopefully people will be informed and better enlightened because of it. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be an honor for the attendees to to be uh, to have an audience with you, to be able to listen and become educated. That's what it's all about. Act for America is such a great organization, and I, uh, I met these folks about five years ago, and I've been doing everything I can to support them ever since, because the job is to educate and inform people about the threats that, quite frankly, are hidden from view by the media, uh, by you know willing accomplices in the media, and quite frankly, some members of our government, some elected officials who uh, uh, perhaps don't have America America's best interest in mind. With that having been said, uh, Colonel Boris, can you tell us a little bit about Sharia Crime Stoppers and what it is that uh, this organization you co-founded does? Well, that's a great question. We uh, we originally formed the group to target police officers, judicial officials, both prosecutors and judges, as well as social service providers, because they all play a role in this uh, in combating sharia sanctioned crimes of which there are many but the first uh, first step is to be able to recognize what they are to know what they are and then how uh to deal with them and uh what we have found out that the majority of folks have no clue 
of uh, what a Sharia crime is, what all of them are, and what are the distinct features of them, and how best to to uh, to deal with them. So we put the group together this this summer. There were three of us. Uh, I think you know Dick Manasseri. I think he's been up in your area. Yes, he has uh, speaking before, and uh, he's originally from Michigan, so he's at ground zero. And then there's Mary Warbicki, originally from Savannah, Georgia, uh, and myself. We got together. Uh, totally, totally by happenstance, the three of us coming together. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, we put the uh, the organization together. It's uh, uh, probably been going on now for about eight months. There's a 15-week webinar that was posted on the Sharia Crime Stoppers <laughs> website that uh, is aimed towards law enforcement, uh, one-hour segments that... Anybody can access and take a look at the type of training we offer. So uh, that's what we're primarily up to do, is to inform people, to inform those three target audiences about the nature of this threat so that hopefully people are better forewarned of how to deal with it. We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel uh, David Bors. He's going to be addressing the Act for America meeting on Monday at 7 p.m. We'll tell you more about that uh, coming up. But, uh, you know, as far as the training course that you offer... Um, through Sharia Crime Stoppers, one of the uh, elements that you're going to teach people is how to distinguish between peaceful Muslims from those who want to subvert our Constitution through the activities of the Muslim Brotherhood. And I want you to speak to that a little bit, because as you know, you probably have faced the same allegations of being a, a bigot, an Islamophobe, et cetera, et cetera, that I face, that Act for America faces, Brigitte Gabriel faces. You know, we all deal with these things. We're not suggesting every Muslim in America is out to uh, subvert the Constitution. So how do you distinguish, uh, in a thumbnail sketch version, between those who are peaceful and those who actually are here to, to uh, turn, the, uh, turn the United States into uh, something else? Let me ask the question this way. Uh, how do we vet anybody to the point that we know how to trust them? I tell police officers all the time when I train them that we deal with people who lie to us, who spin the facts, spin the truth, trying to get out of something all the time. So police officers inherently have are suspicious and uh, have different ways of vetting folks for the truth as long as they know the right questions to ask, and that's part of the training that I give them, a whole series of questions that they can weave into the conversation, and then just watch for body language and uh, how people respond to have a, at least an idea of whether or not they can be trusted or not. Uh, you're certainly not going to tell too much by looking at people, although there are certain Sharia-compliant behaviors that uh, are also indicative of whether or not someone can be trusted. And all of that is uh, is addressed during the 16-hour program that I provide to law enforcement. But uh, I know that all of your audience knows that politicians lie to us all the time, and we have to take what they say as a grain of salt. And the same thing uh, is just as uh, accurate with uh, these folks that many of them are out to deceive us purposefully, and that's the nature of the discussion I'm going to have Monday evening, uh, primarily Muslim women who are spinning the truth, deceiving us, but I'm going to throw in a couple of men for good measure, and then a group of folks, Muslims and non-Muslims, who are out there trying to warn us. So 
it's going to be a, a full court press in 60 minutes to try to just alert people of the various tools of deception and how to recognize them. Colonel Boris, two uh, follow-up questions to that. Uh, one, I think you may have already alluded to when you said primarily Muslim women. Um, a lot of people, myself included, are very, very concerned with the simple presence of uh, Representative Ilan Omar and Representative Rashida Tlaib in the United States Congress. They come from, well, one of them comes from, as you said, ground zero with respect to Michigan. The other one, I don't know, maybe Somali ground zero of Minnesota. Uh, sure. and they have made no, they have made no, uh, bones about it. Um, they side with Hamas over Israel, which means they side with Hamas over the United States. Uh, they are extraordinarily protective of care. Uh, the Council on American uh, Israeli, or, uh, excuse me, Islamic Relations. We know what that organization is all about. Um, what do you, what do you hear and, and, and how do you evaluate? You know, you talked about vetting people, uh, when you hear them and, uh, their anti-Semitic remarks and their, uh, their apparent disdain for <laughs> a lot of what the United States has been built upon. Well, really, there's no vetting that's required with those two women. They're very out front. They're not trying to deceive anybody. Uh, they've been very forthcoming in explaining, uh, their beliefs and who they support, and you just did a wonderful job of outlining that. So, uh, surprising enough, they're not individuals that I put into the deceiver camp. So uh, the problem is, do we want to believe them? Do we really want to believe that they are anti-Semitic, anti-Christian, anti-Israel, or not? Because that's what they claim, and we have no reason to doubt them other than if we do believe it, now what are we going to do about it? Uh, we saw Nancy Pelosi, she totally caved when confronted with anti-Semitism. And I suspect most people will want to take the path of least resistance, unfortunately, until, instead of censoring her. And she should have been censored for it. My gosh, if we had said the same thing about Muslims, oh goodness, uh, we would have been censored. But that's not the... Uh, that's not the case. Islam gets special protection, and uh, it's unfortunate that we cannot address this topic maturely and openly, but those two are not deceiving us one bit. We are talking with Lieutenant Colonel David Bors, uh, retired United States Army. He is going to be the guest speaker uh, this Monday, uh, 7 p.m., at uh, the Act for America meeting. Uh, if you want to attend this meeting, you need to make sure that you email. You have to register. Email info at actcleveland.org. That's the only way you can get in for security purposes. We have to vet potential audience members to make sure you're not there to cause trouble. So email info at actcleveland.org if you would like to hear more from uh, Colonel Boris. Colonel, about a week ago, a little over a week ago, the President of the United States surprised a lot of people by suggesting, not suggesting, by but by calling for uh, the Muslim Brotherhood to be added to the list of foreign terrorist organizations recognized by the United States in the same way that we just did with the Iranian military. Um, this is something that has been called for in Congress. Senator Cruz, particularly in the Senate, has led the fight to declare the Brotherhood as a terrorist organization, but never had any support from the White House until now with President Trump. Uh, do you think that there is enough movement, or do you think there there is a chance that we can get this done while this president is in office? Well, your guess is as good as mine, because there is a tremendous amount of pushback in Congress 
and within our military and State Department bureaucracies not to do it. So whether or not President Trump can withstand that type of pressure, whether he wants to withstand that type of pressure, is uh, hopefully he will, but uh, we'll have to see. Uh, it's not the first time that this has been proposed, as you indicated. It's been on the table for several years, but because of all of the pushback that, it, that is accompanied with this proposal from the Council of American-Islamic Relations, from the Southern Poverty Law Center, from a host of affiliates of those groups, not to mention people in Congress, it's going to be a tough uphill fight. And all I can encourage people to do is to notify their uh, elected representatives, both in the House and the Senate, to demand that this happen, because it's long overdue. They're the enemy of this country. They're trying to subvert our Constitution, and they need to be called out for it. I uh, I could not agree more. It's extraordinarily important, I think, that we get that designation. Again, as Senator Cruz and others have, uh, and there have been co-sponsors, we've been working really hard to get co-sponsors as well uh, in the state of Ohio, as I've been talking with others who have pushed forward here. So I'm glad to know that uh, a man with your uh, knowledge of all of this uh, finds that just as important as uh, as the rest of us do. Um, when you speak on uh, on Monday to the Act for America meeting, um, obviously there's about, you could probably talk for 20 hours. You're only going to talk for about probably about an hour and a half. Can you give us more of a, a narrow-scope view of what exactly, or, or an idea of what exactly it is that you're going to tell folks about? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about the ideological basis for deception. Uh, keep in mind that when Muslims are in a minority status, as they are here in this country, they are considered in the house of war. In the house of war, I those parts of uh, the world that are not governed by Sharia law, that where there is a battle being raged, uh, not necessarily violently, but nonetheless there is a battle being raged to make, turn the house of war into the house of Islam that's ruled by Sharia. And there are some rules that Muslims can, can follow when they are in a minority status, and, they're, and that includes the deception. They can lie as long as the ultimate objective is obligatory they can spin the truth uh, not tell the whole truth to people and then all uh, prohibitions that normally are prescribed for muslims can be waived if the ultimate objective is the noble cause to establish sharia law as the dominant rule over mankind so all of that is spelled out in the Quran and the recorded words and deeds of Muhammad. So again, when Muslims are in a minority status, they can exercise these options. In fact, they're commanded to do it. And that's what makes it so difficult to know when people are, in fact, deceiving us and when they're not. Because they are required, according to Sharia law, to be deceptive. So uh, that's the first topic that I will address. And then I'll give several examples of exactly how that plays out uh, in the real world, if you will, of how women, Muslim women, appearing to be moderate, appearing to be truthful, uh, are nonetheless deceiving us into thinking that women in general have nothing to fear under Sharia law. It's uh, my contention, and I think 
the contention of the folks that I'm affiliated with and Sharia Crime Stoppers and other organizations that women are going to be the tripwire in this in this fight because they're the ones who have not only the most to lose if Sharia law takes place, but they're the ones who will initially lose. So they're kind of like the canary in the coal mine that uh, how women are treated, both Muslim women and non-Muslim women, is a good indication of where we stand in this fight. And uh, it's those topics there that I intend to cover, as well as some some others, some men who are trying to deceive us. One, I think, is going to be surprised, somebody on Fox News who's deceived us. And uh, then mm. we'll get into some personalities, some Muslim women who are out there actually trying to warn us about the nature of this threat, things that to be watchful for and how to be at least more prudent in what we do. So You have piqued my interest, particularly with that uh, comment about uh, somebody on Fox. I'm very interested to learn that. Uh, you, uh, Colonel, to wrap this up, I heard a phrase uh, put this way once. Tell me if you agree with it, that um, when Muslims are in the minority, the most important thing on their agenda is minority rights. When Muslims are in the majority, there is there are no minority rights. Well, that's, uh, that's a great way to put it, because there's certainly uh, a full court press now to grant Muslims not only minority rights, but exclusive rights, rights that you and I and others do not uh, necessarily receive, that uh, they, they carve themselves as a special minority. I call it Muslim privileges or Islamic privilege, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, this, the whole... The idea of hate crime legislation is being backed by the Muslim Brotherhood, the Council of American Islamic Relations, because once we identify that hate speech cannot be tolerated, then we've lost the First Amendment. The First Amendment was not put into place to protect non-offensive speech. There would be no reason to do that. Exactly. It was put in place to yeah, it's, it, was put in to protect against offensive speech. Exactly. That is and that is a point that is lost on far too many people and uh, Colonel Bors, I've got to got to run here we're short on time, but to remind everybody again it's Monday 7 p.m. at the Brexville Community Center, one community drive in Brexville. Lieutenant Colonel David Bors will be the uh, uh keynote speaker addressing Act for America. If you want to attend, you have to email info at actcleveland.org to register. That's the only way you can register. info at actcleveland.org. Colonel Bors, I thank you so much for the education you're going to provide in advance on Monday, and thank you so much for sharing with us as well this morning. And thank you for having me. I uh, look forward to seeing you and as many others as possible. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Colonel. God bless. 10.55, we're late. We'll get out and come back and wrap it up right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it is uh, that time. Like I said, I knew we were going to be able to come back in just in time to say goodbye uh, because uh, we ran a little bit long with that interview, but a great conversation. I cannot encourage you enough. If you are interested in um, uh, in uh, national security and understanding a little bit more about the threat that the Brotherhood in the United States, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, poses, you really want to attend. Um, you really want to attend uh, that uh, lecture on Monday. It's 7 p.m. at the Brexville Community Center in Brexville, obviously. And uh, to register, make sure you do so at info at act. Um, what did I say it was? Info at actcleveland.org. 
Org, I believe is what it was. Uh, so make sure you check that out. And thanks again to Dr. Everett Piper for joining us uh, today as well. I don't know why I'm not hearing the closing music, but I'm going to assume it's playing, and I'm going to say goodbye. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.